0: 31381 Four five six seven, or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study.
1: And we welcome you to the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, May thirtieth, two 2013. Thank you for joining us on the program tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, joins me to my right, your left. Hello, Dad. Welcome to the program.
2: Jacob, great to be with you tonight. Looking
1: forward to our discussion on the Virtual Bible Study. Looking forward to the discussion, looking forward to feedback from our listeners at 877 4567 questions at you.com and they're filing into the chat room tonight to the right of the video window follow the instructions to log on there and participate with other listeners on the program tonight and you have selected for tonight a interesting and a concerning topic
2: yeah we we learned of a church of christ in fort worth texas that has made a decision to add instrumental music to their worship service or at least a portion of their worship service they're not the first they're certainly not the first. They
1: won't be the last, sadly. Uh,
2: probably not, unfortunately. But they were fairly uh, open in describing their purposes. And, yes. And they, they 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 put out a special announcement uh, of this decision. The elders did, or the elders of this Church of Christ did. They put out a special announcement. And then they also put out a, would you call it an FAQ? Uh, oh, yes. Uh, frequently asked questions yes. about what they're doing. Yes. And so in in all of that, they supplied quite a bit of information as to what's going on there and gave some real insights to their thinking, not only about instrumental music, but I think also exposed their what I believe to be flawed thinking concerning Bible authority. So we want
1: to take their comments and then just analyze them in our program tonight. We want to hear from you. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeu.com. It's interesting. The arguments they make are shocking. We're going to talk about those. Uh, but the application they're making towards instrumental music, its this, this discussion is not limited just toward to instrumental music. And I think that is crucial because this is a path that people have been going down for many years by abandoning the necessity for Bible authority. And we're seeing it taken to extents that people are uncomfortable with. But if we back up, uh, this digression really began many, many years ago. That's right. And it won't stop with instrumental no, music. The, the
2: thing of it is, as we go through some of the comments made by the elders of this church, it's going to be pretty obvious that if you consistently follow their thinking, then there's almost no holes barred. Yes. Uh, you can practically do anything yes. under using the same argumentation and the same way of Approaching Bible authority that they're using, you can effectively do just about anything you want. All right, and and then it becomes very subjective. You know, where do you, where do you stop? Well, you know, on what basis do you stop? How do you draw a line? If you're not going to draw the line where the Bible draws it, where will you draw so it? So
1: we need to look at this uh, this issue, both forward and backward. We need to look forward. Where does it lead? But we also to look backward. Are we engaged in activities today that we may have used the same justification for? 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years ago.
2: Okay, yeah. Uh, basically, we are really going to be stressing the concept of authority for what we do in religion yeah. and the need for it. And that we've got to consistently apply it. Uh, we're going to see the cases of some people here who just desperately do not apply the logic of bible authority
1: as you do on every thursday you sent out a list of questions for us to consider i think these are lengthy we maybe yeah not we will we, we're not going
2: to read them all uh, ahead of time we'll try to get to them we're going to have to go pretty fast to cover all the things that were in this essay presented by the elders of the heritage church of christ in fort worth texas okay. um in our update to our list earlier today, and we always remind you, get on that list if you're not by sending us an email to questions at collegeview.com, just say add me to your list, and on Thursdays, you'll about midday you'll get a an email indicating what our study is going to be that night and give you some ideas of what we'll be talking about, ask for your feedback. Uh, so to the, to our update list earlier today, I sent out the link and, and I'm not gonna read I'm not gonna give you the whole long address, but you can find this heritagechurchofchrist.org is yes. is their home page. And then you can follow that to some other things. It's it's Heritage Church of Christ in Fort Worth, Texas. You can find them at Heritage Church of Christ. Mash that all together. No dots or dashes. HeritageChurchofChrist.org um, When I first found this, Jacob, and I actually forget what led me to their site, but when I first found this, it they had a banner up on their website that says, Whatever It Takes. Whatever It Takes. Now, now what does th- that mean? Well, you get the... Uh, and then when you followed that link, Whatever It Takes, it took you to this special announcement that they were going to be adding instrumental music to oh. their worship. The idea was, we'll do whatever it takes to reach people, basically. Okay. Uh, I'm wondering if they got a good bit of grief for that because when I checked today, they had removed that banner. The announcement was still there that they were going to be adding instrumental music. But they had taken down the banner which said, whatever it takes.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I, I wonder if some people kind of gave them some grief. Because if you're going to do whatever it takes, again, what are the limits? That, that, that suggests no limits at all whatever. to what yeah. approaches you would use. Yeah. But uh, anyway, we, the first part of our discussion, Jacob, we want to center on the, ar- the arguments made by the eldership of this Heritage Church of Christ, Fort Worth, Texas, as to sort of what motivates them to want to add instrumental music. Now, they're a church of Christ. They, they Previous to this point in time, they had been exclusively a cappella in their music in worship. Now they're going to add instrumental music. Yes. And so the first quote that I... Basically, all I did was put out quotes from, from these statements from the elders asking your thoughts about this. The first quote we wanted to talk about goes like this. Mm-hmm. This church has been on a quest to become a church that is committed to reaching people who are far from God. We have decided that the addition of an instrumental worship service would be beneficial to our quest to reach the lost. We are convinced that God has called us to a mission that requires us to consider the needs and preferences of others above our own. Uh So very clearly they're saying we're going to do this because... We think it will help us reach out to people. We want to do things that will help us reach people. And to do that, we have to put our needs and preferences aside and think about what their
1: needs and preferences will be. Well, that's okay if the way that we worship is just your preference, but we believe it that is scripturally uh, mandated how we worship God. But furthermore, but, go ahead.
2: Well, basically, they right there at the very beginning, they're suggesting that this matter of worship is just a personal preference. Right. That it's, that, that it's you know, and so our preference up to this point in time has been a cappella. Other people have, there's a, an increasing majority of people whose preference is instrumental music. We're going to have to yield to their preference. Yes. Well, if it's just preference, Jacob, then by all means, yield. You yeah, know, uh, yeah. uh, if, if it was just a matter of personal preference, I'd be all for instrumental music. You Me know, too. I think... I think some people think that the reason we don't have instrumental music is because we don't like it. I like it. I love it. Right. Uh, I would, if it was left up to me to to do what I preferred, I'd say bring in the whole band. A oh, big, a big band. A big band yeah. with all the electric uh, amplifiers we, and everything. Are let's we talking
1: r- Lawrence Welk no, era?
2: No, no, no. Hard like, rock.
1: Oh, hard rock band. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh,
2: let's rock okay. the place, man. Yeah. Okay. No, seriously, if, if, if it was left up to us that's what I would I mean my preference would be for instrumental music right. uh, we're really misrepresented if it's if the suggestion is the reason we don't have music is because we prefer not to have instrumental music right that's just not true right uh, but that's what they said
1: now the idea of reaching out to those who are far from God I mean it, it would be it, here's a here's an idea I' I want I think if we got rid of all Bible teaching that would help people who are far from God be more comfortable yeah. it makes people uncomfortable when they come here and we talk talk about fornication we talk about uh, adultery alcoholism alcohol it makes people uncomfortable if we were to just get away from if we would get rid of these personal preferences and not put them above others I think we'd get a lot more people to come
2: uh, no, no doubt about it but in in reference to that the Apostle Paul said in Galatians chapter 1 verse 10. Or do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. Yeah. Paul said, you know, his work was not about pleasing men. Yeah. It was doing the will of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And that's got to be what we, what motivates us. And yeah. I think in this first statement, the, the elders of the Heritage Church of Christ have proven that they don't see it the same way the apostle Paul did.
1: Let us know your thoughts. 877 Along those lines, uh, Mick... He sends in his email. He says, this sounds like the solution many churches offer. We want to grow, and the world is not interested in us or the truth we teach. Therefore, the solution these people offer is to become more like the world, more like the denominations. Since they don't like who we are, we'll become something more to their liking. If the people have trouble accepting something as simple as instrumental music that even those who would introduce them would consider optional, then what other areas of doctrine will they need to compromise on in order to retain their allegiance? What areas of sin will they have to avoid discussing in order to keep people around? Thank you, Mick. All right.
2: Chris in the U.K. has added, uh, uh, he says, I will give my usual response to the seeker-sensitive approach. And I think that probably is a good descriptive. Uh, I I don't know if I've heard it used that way before, but I think that probably is. In other words, this is a seeker-sensitive approach. We've got people. We we want to be sensitive to them. And and so... He he references Romans 3.11. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. He says the the reaching for those who are seeking is done through preaching the word. What word is given through instrumental music? To put it simply, none. And I'm convinced that we are given to a mission, uh, Matthew 28.19, to go into all the world, go to every nation, baptizing them in the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Teach all nations, baptizing them in the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. So uh, Chris has suggested How does that reach somebody? How does playing an instrument
1: reach somebody or teach them? Question. Good question. All right. Galatians 1, verse 10. For do I persuade men or God? For if I seek to please men or if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of God or Christ. Yeah. Yeah. You can't please men and please God at the same time.
3: Exactly
2: right. So that was the first quote. We want to go through these first ones pretty quick, Jacob.
1: Mike in the chat room says, uh, Romans 116, it is the power of the gospel that works, not man-made preferences that we think appeal to the masses. Guest 674 says, good to know that some didn't agree with adding instruments. We, uh, and uh, Guest 674 quotes, I think, from their uh, frequently asked questions. We realize this will be an uncomfortable for some of our members as it is for some of us. Further, we are saddened that some of our leadership felt compelled to step down from their position during this process, even though we all agreed it was not a biblical issue.
2: You get the idea from that. I noticed that, too, what, what uh, Guest 674 is, has quoted. I noticed that it looks like they've had some controversy over this. Some There's been some, some friction in that congregation over this decision, but they intend to plow ahead regardless.
1: Well, and it's not the first time that people have plowed ahead on what they called were issues of liberty— uh, this, according to the Heritage Church of Christ, would be a matter of liberty, and yet they're going to plow ahead offending those who would ha- have a problem with it uh, so that they can practice their liberty. If, if
2: it was purely liberty, right.
1: even at that, they're violating Romans 14 right. when they're offending the conscience of those yeah. uh, who have a problem And with there's it. a long list of issues that people have taken a stand at, yeah. uh, on liberties where they have violated Romans 14. All right. Now, the
2: second part of this quote in regards to what's motivating them We sent this out earlier. This was quote number two. During our time of study and research, we compiled a list of churches of Christ who have added instrumental music to their worship. Most have grown as a result. Some have grown dramatically.
1: (laughs) Well, uh, there you go. There's all the proof that you need. The case is settled. The the book is shut.
2: Well, again, that's very transparently exposes what this is about. This is about trying to attract more people, more numbers, get bigger numbers. Well, I want to tell you, Jacob, if, if that's what you want to do, just bringing in instrumental music is a pretty inadequate measure. If, if you want to bring in lots of people, there's a number of things you could do that would bring in more people than just having instrumental right. music. Uh, you know, the, the old uh, illustration of tape a $100 bill under every seat in the auditorium. Yeah. Anybody who comes gets $100. You think we could fill up the place? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We could fill it up to overflowing. Yeah. Uh, if the motive is get more numbers in there no matter what, then, man, they've stopped way short. Katie, bar the door. Yeah. So, But, again, I thought that was pretty transparent. Let's it see was. what our what our emailers have said. The verse that
1: comes to mind, in my mind, is 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. They're looking at what other churches are doing, and it works for them. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 12, For we dare not uh, make ourselves of the number of or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. I think that they would fall into that category that we see Paul condemning.
2: There. Yeah, and we could use a lot of verses like... Uh, Exodus 23, 2, Thou shalt not follow a multitude to do evil. Yeah, yeah. You know, or we could talk about Jesus' statement in Matthew 7, 13, and 14. Enter yeah. in at the straight gate. For broad is the way uh, uh, that leads to destruction. Narrow is the path that leads to eternal life. In so other words, Jesus said the majority is not going the right way, Matthew seven thirteen. and so 14. So I guess
1: to the statement that they compiled a list of churches and that those churches have grown and some have grown dramatically, I guess we could just conclude with a big fat so what.
2: Yeah, Mick says... Uh, What kind of growth should the church be aiming for? It seems like the primary type of growth they're looking to achieve is numerical growth. What about growing spiritually? At what cost have these churches grown? What difference will it make if our congregation is large, but the Lord has no fellowship with it? Well, that's a good statement right there. we got a big crowd, but the Lord has no fellowship with it. That reminds me of another statement in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 7, uh, verse 23. Many will, uh, Verse 22, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? In thy name have cast out devils, in thy name done many wonderful works. Then will I profess to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity or
0: lawlessness.
1: Yeah. All right. Uh, and, and then and from the U.K. tonight, uh, Chris says, So you go to people for what they want in the worship meeting, never mind the one who we are worshiping and what he says. If increasing numbers are the, a measure of God's blessing, then he really must be blessing Islam and Mormonism. Ooh. To paraphrase a verse, obedience is more important than your mode of worship. Uh, that uh, and uh, that I would add is including obedience in that worship. Uh, so uh, I think he may be alluding to uh, uh, Samuel's uh, condemnation of Saul and uh, his uh, failure to, uh, first, first to take care 15, of the Amalekites. First Samuel, leadership. First Samuel, Fifteen. Yeah. Okay. All
2: right. All right. Uh, okay. So. Well, we're past break time, Jake. Let's take a break, and then let's catch a, a, one more comment about their motives, and then we're going to try to get into what they claim is their scriptural argumentation in support of their decision.
1: 877 uh, 381 We'll take a break and get your comments on the other side. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues
0: right after this. Don't touch that mouse. The Virtual Bible Study will be back right after this.
2: Hi, I'm Jack Coleman, a member of the College View Church of Christ, with a suggestion for you and your family. Why not turn off the TV on Thursday nights and gather the family around the computer for an hour of in-depth Bible study? The virtual Bible study always involves subjects of importance and interest to serious Bible students. So, why not join this Internet Bible study group every Thursday night? Here are some quotes worth pondering. You will never succeed if you never begin. One father is more than a hundred schoolmasters. A man is about as big as the things which make him angry. It's choice, not chance, that determines your destiny. There's no teaching to compare with example. Man, wish
0: I'd said that. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Colossians three seventeen. Now, back to the program.
1: Back on the program tonight, we're discussing a church of Christ in Fort Worth, Texas, who has decided that they have been wrong and that uh, many who held to the idea that instrumental music was wrong, have been wrong for many years, and that now instrumental music is okay, and they have given their justification for that. We're basically, examining the justification.
2: Basically, they they basically said it was just a preference, and we've established an unbiblical tradition, and we need to get past that. Okay. That's, and uh, if you want to read the full context of their statements, go to heritagechurchofchrist.org. And then you can follow there to, to the special announcement from the elders, and also their Q and A document that uh, explains their reasoning in this. Real quickly, before we get to their their scriptural arguments in defense of their decision, there was another statement that they made in their uh, document that I thought was quite telling. Uh, and I, I've I've parsed this, and I admit that I have I've tried. Yes, to, I saw I, a lot uh, of. Uh, but I've tried to be true to the context it was just too long to add it all in our update but they said effectively uh, these are their words i've just left out some of their words Uh, they said we are certain it that is the adding of instrumental music will remove a barrier from them that is the lost and unchurched people so we're certain adding instrumental music will remove a barrier from lost and unchurched people it is difficult to identify how someone who has no knowledge of acapella music feels when they experience experience it They find our music odd and out of date musically. It is not a style that resonates with them. Most people who visit will not return. We have reports uh, from members who state that it is difficult for them to invite their lost friends primarily because of having to try to explain the music. The major way we will attract lost and unchurched people is to be more like Jesus. He met with sinners. He ate with them. He touched the leper. He spoke to a Samaritan woman. He showed mercy to the woman caught in adultery. I thought that was just pretty far out there, Jacob. Yeah. And I thought, I wondered uh, how a paraphrase of that might go. Mm-hmm. Uh, can I give it a shot? Why don't you do that? All right. We are certain that adding a no-clothes service well. will remove a barrier from the nudist colonies. Mm-hmm. It's Maybe. difficult to identify how someone who has no knowledge of clothing feels when they experience it. Mm. They find our clothes odd and out of date. Wow. It's not a style that resonates with them. Mm-hmm. Now, if, if that's the reasoning, I mean, where? how could you oppose someone? Now, obviously, I'm trying to illustrate this with the ridiculous. But what I'm saying is if that's your line of reasoning... That people find it odd and they don't like it and they won't and they won't come because it's hard for them to understand it. Well, there again, as we've said several times already, there's just no end to that. There's no place to stop going.
1: Right. You, you'll go far and wide. Right, exactly, and it's amazing uh, that they would make those uh, comments. Jesus uh, touched the leper. He spoke to the Samaritan woman. He showed mercy to the woman caught in adultery. But he never said, "Hey, keep doing your adultery. Keep uh, Samaritan woman, keep living with that man that you're not married to."
3: Yeah, the, the
1: the
2: implication here. I mean, we certainly understand that Jesus reached out to sinners, and we want to reach out to sinners too. But you don't. Re- he never. Jesus never reached out to sinners by compromising God's truth. Right now, that's what they're doing. That's the difference. Yeah. Certainly, Jesus reached out to sinners, and yes, all of us as Christians should reach out to sinners. But you don't do that by compromising matters
1: of truth. Let us know your thoughts in the chat room tonight and on the phone. It's toll-free, and the line is open, 877-381-4567. Mick uh, sends his email. He says, if it is a barrier to them that will prevent them from obeying the truth or remaining faithful, are they truly a truth-seeker at heart in the first place? If our music feels odd and out of date, we could introduce some more modern contemporary hymns, so long as they fit into the category of psalm, hymn, or spiritual song, Ephesians 5.19. But the worship should not feel modern. Its worship Its worship stems back to practices well over 2,000 years old. If members are having difficulty explaining the music, maybe the members lack understanding about why it is wrong. Their friends they invite are simply unwilling to accept the truth or see maybe this is nothing, uh, nothing but a red herring, an excuse to try and justify what they want to in- introduce uh, the instrument into the worship service.
2: I wonder about that, too. Uh, Chris in UK says first church is not a verb so no one is unchurched they're either saved or unsaved can an unsaved person worship God so if the music is considered old-fashioned then how is setting it to actual music going to help also in all those cases where Jesus reached out to people which of those involved music and sorry people are going to use if if people are going to use music stop inviting people to come to church so they can hear how their immoral soul can be saved uh in other words, he's saying that, that, that's a pretty flimsy excuse for not coming to church because you don't like the music. All right. Uh, I got I got another paraphrase here for you, Jacob. Uh, we have reports from members who state it's difficult for them to invite their lost friends primarily because of having to try to explain the music. Well, how about this? We have reports from our members who say it's difficult for them to invite their lost friends primarily because they they don't want to have to try to explain the plan of salvation and baptism. Mhm. So we're going to we're going to we're going to do away with baptism because it's keeping us from reaching out to lost people. Our own members are having trouble inviting people because they know when the people come they're going to hear us talk about what a man must do to be saved including that he must be baptized for the remission of sins and that's really a a hindrance it's a barrier to the unchurched so we're going to do away
1: with that. I think a better use of their energy would have been We're going to teach our members about God's instructions for how he wants to be worshipped and the requirement that we have God's authority and God's seal of approval on the way that we worship him so they can tell their friends when they invite them, we're going to go worship God the way we believe God wants to be worshipped, and they can show them the scriptures behind that. Yeah, I thought that was a pretty flimsy statement. I mean,
2: it's not that hard. They act like their members just have a terrible time explaining why we use a cappella music instead of instrumental music in our worship that's not a hard thing to explain now it, it's not popular but it's not hard to explain
0: yeah,
2: yeah. you know so uh, you know what are we saying here we want to be popular we want to be able to be understood what what We're is the issue Department it's not different. it's not hard to explain that and and uh, but but the point is it's not popular that's what they should have said we, our members are having trouble inviting people because not having instrumental music is not the popular trend.
1: Uh, maybe that's why it's h- hard to explain the music when it's not popular. You don't like the you don't like the instruction. Not that you don't understand it. Maybe that's the problem. All right. Uh, All right. Uh, well, we got quite a bit of
2: chatter going yeah, on. We're going to miss the, some in, of that. In, the, in the chat room. Uh, I don't. I don't know which ones to pick up. We, we'll yeah. maybe we'll review that during our break. What we want to do because it will take most of the rest of the time we've got, Jacob, and we'll probably have to hurry at that. We want to go through what they claimed were their biblical or scriptural arguments
1: in support
2: of their decision.
1: These are shocking and more shocking than the three statements you have uh, presented so far.
2: All right, so let's start out. We'll try to get one in here before the break. Uh, Again, these were all in our update, uh, and, and they all are taken from the document presented by the elders at the Heritage Church of Christ in Fort Worth, Texas. They're going to include instrumental music. Now here's what they said were scriptural arguments to defend this decision to do so. Right. First of all, the New Testament doesn't speak to this subject in the way churches of Christ have traditionally understood it. The only mention of singing in an assembly setting is found in 1 Corinthians fourteen twenty six, and there it implies solos. None of the other passages in the New Testament that even marginally addresses singing do so in an assembly setting. The conclusion one reaches is that congregational singing itself is not authorized by the New Testament. Is mm-hmm. that is that a pretty incredible statement? It is amazing. Uh, first of all, First Corinthians fourteen twenty six. In First Corinthians chapter fourteen verse twenty six, uh, the Apostle Paul is actually condemning. Uh, the disorderliness mm-hmm. of the Corinthian assembly. Yes, uh, he says, "How is it then, brethren, when you come together? Every one of you hath the psalm, hath the doctrine, hath the tongue, hath the revelation, hath the interpretation. Let all things be done unto edifying. If any man speak in an unknown tongue, let it be by two, or most by three, and that by, uh, by course, and let one interpret. And so for for them to say, First Corinthians fourteen twenty six doesn't even. Um, um, Talk about congregational singing, it implies solos well it's it's in a it's in a context that was condemning what they were doing right. at, in Corinth, not commending it right uh, but I adamantly deny the statement that there there's no other passage in the New Testament that even marginally addresses singing in an assembly setting. I deny that
1: well, and the <laughs> the conclusion they draw is the conclusion one reaches is that congregational singing itself is not authorized by the New Testament. If it's not authorized, then, of course, this group apparently wouldn't have a problem with it, but if it's not authorized, we'd say you can't do it.
2: Yeah, if it's not authorized, then quit quit yeah. music altogether. Don't course, add instrumental that music. Doesn't seem to be a problem no, here, if, if congregational singing is not authorized, then don't compound the problem by adding instrumental music. Just do away with music altogether in yeah.
1: your worship. Right, okay, but you say, the scriptures tell us. How to, about
2: this one? Let this is Colossians 3:16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Mhm. Did you notice we're teaching and admonishing one another? That, that wouldn't be solos, no. and that wouldn't and, and it, that would have hey, to be when we're in a closet. That wouldn't be me singing to myself in a closet. That would have to be when we're together. Yeah. Because we're teaching and admonishing one another. I argue that that is a congregational setting. All right. Let's see what some of our emailers say. Ramona, up.
1: who herself is in Texas, references Matthew 26, 30, Acts 16, 25, Romans 15, verse 9, Romans 15, verse 11. And Romans, By the way,
2: Matthew 26, 30, the disciples were together and they sang there a, a hymn when they went, before
1: they went out to the Mount of Olives. 1 Corinthians 14, 15, 1 Corinthians 14, 26, Ephesians 5, 19, and Colossians 3, 16. Those are all... References to places in the New Testament that uh, give us sing. instructions to sing.
2: Yeah, and so there's certainly authority for singing, and I believe there is authority for it to do it in a congregational setting. Right.
1: Okay. Uh, Mick, uh, in uh, well, we don't know where Mick is. Uh, Mick uh, says he. he uh, <laughs> Mick says hogwash and references Ephesians 5.19, speaking to one another, as you mentioned, and Colossians 3.16. Yeah, I, had, so I, I, I
2: talked about Colossians 3.16. The parallel verse yeah. to that is Ephesians 5.19, which says speaking to one another. That's the New King James Version.
1: Mick poses these questions. Okay. In what setting would the church at Ephesus, to whom the letter was written, speak to, teach, and admonish one another? I think any honest person has to admit it would typically be the assembly. For the sake of argument, if, as they claim, solos are the only authorized type of singing uh, in the New Testament, then solos are the only thing authorized. Just because solos are the only type of music authorized to say that instrumental music to God is therefore authorized is a quantum leap away from what the passage says. If congregational singing itself is not authorized then we should not be doing it at all so Mick goes down their uh, their path there and says, well if that's the only thing that's authorized then you can't do, justify instrument music because of that and Mick goes on of course, I disagree with the statement that congregational singing is not authorized okay
2: yeah and Chris in the UK says which version is he reading actually 1 Corinthians 1426 he says as I was mentioning earlier is talking about orderly worship and there's nothing about solos but about the avoidance of confusion and the promotion of peace in worship and I, I think that's right Thank you, Chris. They, they said that the only place you can read about congregational sing, uh, church singing in a congregational setting is 1 Corinthians 14, 26. They've even misapplied that verse. That verse is is condemning their disorderliness in the worship at Corinth.
1: Okay. Guest 674 says, If you look at Heritage's website, you can see the door was open before this. Not surprising they have come to this. We'd agree with that, Guest 674. And we'd also say... Uh, that we need to all examine our practices, make sure that we haven't cracked that door open with other things that we're allowing that we don't have authority for. Yeah, John
2: in Oklahoma says the one verse from 1 Corinthians 14 that he might be referencing is verse 15, where it says, what is the conclusion that I will pray with the Spirit, I will also pray with the understanding, I will sing with the Spirit, I will also sing with the understanding. It is a stretch, though, to say individual Christians sang solos during the worship service referenced in 1 Corinthians 14. I agree with John. I do think that, that they even... If, if they were going to pick a verse from 1 Corinthians 14, they picked the wrong one when they picked verse 26. I agree with John. If they wanted to use 1 Corinthians 14 as justification for music in the assembly, it would be verse 15.
1: All right. We're going to take a break and get this week's bullet point, and give you time to send your emails, get on the phone, or join in the chat room with your comments. We'll go to the break and get your thoughts on the other side. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study
0: continues right after this. Enjoying the virtual Bible study? Email a friend during this break and tell them to join in on the discussion. There's more exciting Bible study after this commercial. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. Several attempts had been made to restore an erring Christian,
2: but every effort had failed. Finally, it was clear that disciplinary action could not be avoided. And what was the response of this wayward member? She wrote, and I'm not making this up. She said, go ahead and dismember me if you feel you have to. Her statement illustrates that many people misunderstand the subject of church discipline. Some of the erroneous ideas are like these. First, some say Christians withdraw from people because they lack a proper level of love. Actually, just the opposite is true. This action is taken out of a deep love for the eternal soul of the one who has fallen away from faithfully serving the Lord. We know that if they are not alerted to their lost condition, they will suffer eternity in hell. We love them too much to let this happen without a strong effort to save them. Or someone says, the church does this because they just don't care enough for weak members. Again, this is simply not true. We care so much that we're willing to sacrifice our friendly social contact with a brother or sister who has sinned and refuses to repent. We are hoping that by doing this, they will be motivated to come back to the Lord. We know that this is ultimately the most important thing. Or someone else says, it just seems like the elders and others in the church enjoy doing this sort of thing. Nothing could be further from the truth. This action, when it becomes necessary, is hard and it hurts to have to do it. It would be much easier to just look the other way and let the sinful one continue on the destructive path to eternal ruin. But because we care, and out of deep love for their soul, we do this even though it is a very difficult thing. Or someone else says, I just think this is an incredibly mean and hateful thing to do. In reality, it would be mean and hateful if we did not do this in an all-out effort to restore a fallen brother or sister. When nothing else has worked, This is the final push to save their soul. So no, it's not mean or hateful. It's a sign of real devotion to the well-being of the one who has slipped away. Or finally, someone might say, those Christians who would do something like that just have a holier-than-thou attitude. Well, no, that's not right either. This action is taken, quote, in the spirit of meekness, and we are always, quote, considering ourselves lest we also be tempted. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. We understand that we also can be overtaken in a fault, and therefore we do this and would hope that others would care enough for us to do the same if we needed such help. So no, we won't dismember anyone, as that one wayward member said, but we will take the proper steps to administer church discipline when it is needed. It's what the New Testament teaches us to do, and it's what love demands. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. I am Minister Sanchez from Arica, Chile in South America. And I love to listen to the virtual Bible study. And this moment, I invite you to participate in this program, too.
0: Use your Internet connection for something good. Listen to the virtual Bible study every week. Now, back to the program. We're
1: back on the program tonight. We remind you, this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us by visiting our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com, where you'll find that we are committed to following the patterns that God has given us in His Word, We believe that we must have authority for all that we do, teach, believe, and practice, and we're striving to find that authority and to uh, implement it in our lives. And we hope that you are interested in that as well, and you would come and worship with us. Find out more about our meeting place and our location, our times of worship, at thevirtualbiblestudy.com. We're talking about uh, the fact that the church in Fort Worth, Texas, has decided that instrumental music is now okay.
2: And, you know, that sort of links to what you were saying about our approach here at College View. We're trying to just follow the Bible as carefully and accurately as we can because we think it's the only way we know how to please God. So that's why we take a a document like the elders at the Heritage Church of Christ in Fort Worth, what they put out on their website, we take that quite seriously because it, it, it really goes to the very roots of what we believe and stand for.
1: Right. And we believe that, well, if you don't follow what God has said, you might as well throw the whole Bible away because you basically said it doesn't matter. Uh, and if you do that in any aspect of your life or your uh, work uh, collectively as a congregation, you again, you've just basically said to, to God, well, you said to do it, but we don't care. And you've said God's work doesn't have any meaning and doesn't have any application in your life. You may say, well, it's just on this one subject. Well, if you just do it in one area, why can't you do it in every area? And that's why we believe it's so fundamental that we have Bible authority for all that we teach and all that we practice. Uh Wade is uh, we've got a we've got a good audience tonight. Uh Wade has brought his uh sons with with him tonight. And Wade, you had a comment I didn't see before the break. Uh you had you had a, a thought as you were listening to the discussion tonight.
0: Yeah, I thought um, in Hebrews chapter two, um, actually beginning in verse eight, uh talking about the authority that Christ has. He says, Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet, for in subjecting all things to him he left nothing. That is not subject to him, but now we do not yet see all things subjected to him. And he drops down here in verse 11, talking about uh, the brethren. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified are all from one Father, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. And in the verse 12, I thought it was really interesting. He says, I will proclaim thy name to my brethren. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing thy praise. That's, that verse seems to me that's it's very plain that it's a congregational singing at that point.
2: All right. All right. I think Thank that's you, right. Wade. Thanks, Wade. All right. We're going to have to go rapid fire Let's here, go. Jacob. Um, uh, uh, the second biblical argument. They said, throughout the Psalms, we find numerous references to instruments as a part of temple worship. That means that when Jesus and his disciples went to the temple, they participated in a worship that used musical instruments.
1: Well, they also participated in a worship that included animal sacrifice. Yeah, Are that, they going to bring back the altar
2: at the, the heritage? That Church? one's so that one is so easy to answer. I mean, it, it's it's almost uh well, I don't know, it's almost insulting that they would make that kind of an argument. That, that or if they don't know better, if they haven't if they haven't got enough logic about them to see the fallacy of that of that as an argument for their practice. Because the very simple answer is, of course, Jesus and and his disciples, when they went to the temple, uh, saw instruments being used. It was a whole different law that they lived under, and and that law included, as you said, animal sacrifices. Sabbath keeping. Sabbath keeping. uh, All kinds of uh, burning of incense, uh, all kinds of ceremonial washings and uh, so forth, certain foods you couldn't eat. and. Are we going to use the Old Testament? The, the, the basic question is: Are we going to use the Old Testament as our authority for New Testament practice? And that's obviously no. Uh,
1: they have to cut out the ham dinner after they leave their instrumental worship service on yeah. Sunday. They're yeah. not going to do that if they're going to go to that uh, that level of justification. Ramona uses the same argumentation. The temple was still under the Old Testament. It had to be. It had burnt offerings. Do we still do them today? Uh, and she references several passages in the Old Testament that uh, show that uh, that Christ would have been involved in that uh, the offering of uh, burnt offerings. And we obviously aren't going to do those today.
2: Uh, Mick, Mick says, true. When Jesus died, a new covenant was placed into effect, Luke 22, 20. That was how they worshiped under the old covenant. Was has absolutely nothing to do with worship under the new. He references Hebrews nine sixteen, where there is a testament. There must also of necessity be the death of the testator. In other words, the new covenant did not go into effect until Jesus died. We've had to answer that. I don't know how many dozens of times on the virtual Bible study, but it's so easy to answer
1: that. Yeah, usually by denominational folks. It's interesting. These folks are making the same argument. Uh, Chris in the U.K. says, We don't worship in a temple. We are Christian, not Jews. And he backed that up with a New Testament verse, saying that there was music there. I didn't find them. I don't find them. The only... uh, Accompanied singing, I find, is in Revelation 15, verse 3, which is symbolic and would be a, a stretch to be taken literally. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, we're going to ta- we'll see that.
2: where they try to make reference to Revelation 15 here in a minute. We'll hold a comment right. about that. Okay, next argument. Next, we've talked about this, the Greek word solo. Now, again, this is what they're arguing. The Greek word solo, as in Ephesians 5:19, implied the plucking or playing of musical instrument. Thus, singing can occur with or without instrumental accompaniment. Based on any argument on a word's meaning, it, uh, basing any argument on a word's meaning ignores the ever-changing reality of language and makes for a rather weak and suspect argument. Well, they're, they're the, the ones the, that did it. Yeah, that's what I thought was weird. They're trying to make their argument based upon the meaning of the word solo, and they said words change meaning. Well, the thing that we're doing, when, when we do word studies in the New Testament, what we're trying to discover is what did the word mean in the first century A.D.?
3: Yeah.
2: What did it mean when the Bible... Was, we're not talking about what words mean in the... Not tw- an English word. Not what an English word means in the 21st century. Yeah. We're, we're talking about what did Greek words mean yeah. in the first century A.D. Uh, in, in the regions about Jerusalem. Yeah. And what, what, that's, what, that's what we're trying to discover. And yeah. what we know is that those early disciples did not use instrumental music. There is unanimous agreement by all church historians that the earliest Christians did not use instrumental music. They knew what the word solo meant at that time and in that place, and it did not mean the playing of instruments. All right. And and notice, uh, we we dealt with this somewhat last week, singing can occur with or without instrumental accompaniment. Well, if the word solo in Ephesians 5.19, which, by the way, in our... English translation, the King James Version for instance, translates that making melody in the heart. It tells where you pluck the strings. You pluck them in your heart. It's the heart strings that you play, not the the strings of an instrument. But the the thing of it is, if that word justifies instrumental accompaniment, then it's not optional. It doesn't just justify; it commands. Yeah, it doesn't just say you can if you want to. If it's in there, if it if it's in if it's in that word, then it has to be. So it's not optional.
1: And they were. They, and in fact, the Greek word "solo" does not necessitate an instrument. It means to pluck. Uh, it doesn't nece- It doesn't necessitate it, it you're plucking to, an instrument. It would have to be a stringed instrument too. I mean, you couldn't have any kind of wind instruments or any or any it'd, kind it'd of be, percussion like, instruments. It, it,
2: it would. It would be like me saying. Jacob, eat. Yeah. You'd say, well, eat what? If I said pluck, you'd have to say, pluck what? Yeah. And then it tells you. It says, making melody in the heart. Yeah. That's where the plucking t- place, or right. the twanging. But it didn't mean instrumental accompaniment in the first century. And words do have meanings. We try to discover them as we do our studies in the New Testament.
1: Mick says, solo is translated melody, a description of the action being done. But it is like using the word play. Play what? A game, a trick, an instrument? Uh, Play dead? If it is a verb of action, but in order to... It is a verb of action, but in order to find out what we pluck or play, we need to see the noun upon which it acts, the heart. Most versions translate the verse this way. But I thought these renderings were interesting to see how various translators chose to render this verse, the Darby Bible, singing and chanting with your heart to the Lord. Modern New Testament, singing and with all your hearts, making music unto the Lord. The World English Bible, singing praises into your heart to the Lord. Wesley's New Testament, sing and offer praise in your hearts to the Lord. Even some of the looser paraphrase Bibles seem to get this one right. It seems to me that to suggest that their argument is rather weak and uh, it seems to me that to suggest that their argument is rather weak and suspect. If, as they say instrumental music is optional, then why are they forcing it upon the congregation, causing some of their elders to step down and other members to become upset? I thought their their whole motivation for doing this was to increase the numeric size of the congregation. by the way, I thought this was this verse wasn't speaking about congregational worship, uh, their words not mine interesting
2: yeah um, well we got one more here Chris um. Uh, uh, Chris says can or cannot be the key phrase and to imply that it is mandated beyond the scope of the passage. Words do have meaning or else your writing means nothing unless I give meaning to your words. Solo in Ephesians 519 is translated by making melody. The melody, which is the heart of the song, or some would say, should not be obscured by other elements, the most obvious being instrumentation, but also possibly including dance, graphics, or light. In other words, he's saying not those things either. Okay. Uh, We've, we've said over and over again, the first Christians, all his church historians agree, the first Christians did not use instrumental music. They knew what solo meant. And as Mick suggested in his email, you can't find a, a modern English translation that translates solo to mean instrumental music accompaniment.
1: All right. Let's uh, get a break. And we're doing a terrible job of getting through their arguments. We've got to go faster on the other Whoa, side Oh, we got to fly. I'm going to
3: limit Are you to you about listening? two. Uh, to okay, gonna well, we're going to go to a break. Stuff. We'll be back.
0: Stay tuned. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this.
3: I'm Larry Raspberry, a member of the College View Church of Christ, with a question for you. Do you believe in parachutes? I suppose you do. You believe they exist? But that's not what I mean. There's a difference between believing something or someone exists and putting your confidence in it or him one who has seen a parachute knows they exist but has never put his confidence in one trying one on while standing on the ground isn't faith either going up in a plane intending to jump out with a parachute on is not faith in the parachute either opening the door at the moment of truth and gazing outside to the ground is not faith either it is only when one jumps out the door counts to ten, and pulls the ripcord that he has actually put his faith in the parachute. Many of you believe parachutes exist, but only a few have actually put your faith in one. Many people in the world say they believe God exists, but only a few put their faith in him for salvation by doing what he says. We'd love to help you in developing a saving faith in God. If we can be of assistance, please contact us. Send an email to questions at collegeview.com or call us at 877-381-4567. And thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study. We're tracking the trends on the Virtual Bible Study. A new survey by the Barna Group released just before the Super
2: Bowl suggests that Americans believe professional athletes influence society more than pastors by a more than three-to-one margin. According to the poll, 64% of Americans think pro athletes have more influence than professional faith leaders, whereas 19% think faith leaders have more influence. That information is via Christianity Today. The Word of God says in Philippians 3, verse 17, Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so as you have us for an example.
0: Broadcasting around the world with truths that are out of this world. The virtual Bible study. Take it away, God.
1: And we're back, and we're talking about the Heritage Church of Christ in Fort Worth, Texas, who have decided that instrumental music is acceptable, it is the way to go, and they've given their justification. We're reviewing that on the program tonight. We've got eight more arguments to make. And uh, to get through this, I'm going to give you one sixty seconds for each one. Ooh, wow! Okay, right, real quick. Number, Here we go. Here we go. Got to go
2: fast. The restoration movement followed by a principle of, followed a principle of interpretation long since outdated, popularized as "quote We speak where the Bible speaks and remain silent where the Bible is silent." We were never consistent in our application of that. We picked and chose what we would apply the principle to. The New Testament speaks of singing but does not prescribe any rules concerning the details of that, standing or sitting, four-part harmony or chanting, a cappella or with instrumental accompaniment. Therefore, the New Testament leaves the style of worship to the discretion of each church. Well, first of all, we don't much care about what the Restoration Movement did or didn't hold to. We, we uh, admire the studiousness of some of those who were involved in that movement, but whether or not it's true is dependent on what the Bible says, That's not right. what they said. All right. Now, the idea of speak where the Bible speaks and remain silent where the Bible is silent is a biblical principle. Ten seconds. 1 Peter 4, verse 11, If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. In other words, if I'm going to say it's okay, i got to prove it from the Scriptures. That's speaking where the Bible speaks, being silent where the Bible is silent. All right. Now, notice real quickly, though, the New Testament speaks of singing but does not prescribe any rules concerning the details, standing or sitting. Well, whether I'm standing or sitting, I'm still singing. It says, doesn't say whether we should have four-part harmony or chanting. Well, four-part harmony is still singing. I'm not sure about chanting. But when we add the instrument, then we're not just singing anymore. We're yeah. singing and playing. We've changed the act.
1: I'd ask the and, question. You know,
2: there's, there, to suggest that adding an instrument is no different than standing or sitting when you sing is foolishness. If I'm standing or sitting, I'm still singing. But when I add an instrument, I'm doing something different.
1: I'd ask the question, therefore, the New Testament leaves the style of worship to the discretion of the church. That phrase, are you really uh, committed to following that? What about interpretive dance? What about uh, rolling in the aisles as some of the holy rollers? What, what about pizza and Pepsi-Cola on the Lord's right. table? All right. All right, we got we got to okay, parse quick. some of our listeners' responses. Mick says, I agree the principle is not always consistently applied and still isn't, but uh, because some do not apply the principle consistently does not mean that you throw out the principle What should be our method now? We speak where the Bible speaks and add to it where we want to authorize more. Not a good idea, he says. These, brethren, need to understand what specific and generic examples are and what expediences are. If something is specified, we must do it the way it is specified. Singing is specified. Our posture, standing, or setting is not. How many parts of of the harmony is also not specified, but only singing is specified. Plain is another matter entirely. If, a church, if something is not specified, it is a generic command. We are left to the discretion of the church about how to practice it. For example, should the communion be at the beginning or the end of services, it is not specified. Will we pass the bread by hand or on a platter? Again, it is not specified, but we will use bread and fruit of the vine, or will we use milk and cookies? The elements used are specified. We must use fruit of the vine and unleavened bread.
2: Clear. Are, very, very, very accurate Okay. Uh, talk about Bible authority.
1: We went way over time on that one. Number E.
2: All right. Here's another quote from the elders at Heritage Church of Christ in Fort Worth. The same authority that gave us permission to construct centralized houses of worship also gave us permission to use instruments in worship. Go. Wrong. It, go, it goes very clearly to what was just read from Mick about general and specific authority. We have general authority for a church building. Because we're commanded to assemble, and we're not told where to assemble. Yes. So the command to assemble applies, implies the need for a place to do so. Therefore, the general command to assemble allows us the discretion to have a place of worship that we own or that we rent or however else it might be provided.
1: It's the old now, arg- It's the old argument, you don't have authority for that, so I'm going to do this that I don't have authority for. Yeah. Well, you condemn yourself with that argument.
2: Yeah, and, and the idea that uh, the instrumental music... When, Again, it's the difference between what's generally authorized and and what's specifically authorized. In regards to music and worship, singing has been specified. Therefore, we're not left to discretion. All right, yeah. let's go, let's go. God gave a, They go on. God gave us that permission by virtue of the indwelling of the Spirit that enables us to use our knowledge, wisdom, and discernment for how best to be on mission with God. We have we have the authority to f- to bind. That's a typo. We have authority to bind or forbid or to loose, permit. I'll tell you, that's a scary statement. That right
1: there. is a slippery slope, and it's the same slope that people are sliding down on the issue of homosexuality, for, for one example, is that, well, we know better. We can figure it out for ourselves. Um, yeah, we don't have to worry about what the Bible says. If if, if we're free to, to make decisions
2: about how we're going to worship God because we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, then that's implying that we're receiving direct revelation from God that is even... In contradiction contradiction. to to what the Spirit previously revealed. I think Paul
1: discussed that in Galatians chapter 1.
2: G. All right. God's people were never meant to look, act, think, or worship the same in perpetuity. Sometimes God's people have to take into consideration the culture around them. In other words, we're going to let cultural norms dictate our mode of worship.
1: Well, that would have led to fornication in churches in the first century because that's how the, the society around them was worshiping. In Corinth, their gods. in Corinth,
2: they said in the temples, in the the pagan temples in Corinth, there were a thousand temple prostitutes on duty twenty four seven. Yeah. Well, uh-huh. if, if we're going to let cultural norms dictate Eight. how we worship,
1: yep. Then. Yeah. Okay. God's people have to take that in consideration yeah. according to these people. Yeah. All right. H. The only thing demanded of God.
2: The only thing demanded of us is faith in God and matters pertaining to forms of worship are completely discretionary. The only
1: thing demanded is faith.
2: Notice, matters pertaining to forms of worship are completely discretionary. If the elders of that heritage church really believe that then they don't they don't have to do the Lord's Supper as nope. as is directed in the scripture. They don't have to do it on the first day of the week. The
1: they don't, don't have
2: to do the same elements. Uh, it, it's just all discretionary. They don't believe that. They don't practice that. They you don't talk about. That. They they accused us of not being consistent in the application of the principles. Speak where the Bible speaks and be silent where the Bible is silent. They're very inconsistent in the application uh, of what they claim that matters of worship are completely
1: discretionary. I Revelation five refers to harps accompanying singing in heaven, while Revelation fifteen two and three indicates that God gave them the harps.
2: That's got to be the easiest one of all, right? Yeah. When you're an angel in heaven and they give you a harp, play it. Yeah. But as long as you're not an angel and you're not
1: in heaven, that doesn't say anything about you and what you should be doing. If God wanted us to worship with a harp, he would have told us to worship yeah. with a harp. But, what?
2: and again, I just emphasize, what angels are doing in heaven is not yeah. does not authorize what mortal human beings are to do on earth. Exactly. All yeah. right. Go. The, they said, Jesus got into trouble with religious leaders of his day for his liberal stance on the Sabbath, but he knew where some th- there were some things greater in this life than religious observances people were more important than processes. They're accusing Jesus of violating the Sabbath there. <laughs> G- they're basically accusing Jesus of sinning. Yeah. They're accusing Jesus of using situation ethics. And I deny all of that. Jesus Jesus knew what the Sabbath law was. He was the author of the Sabbath law. And therefore he could properly tell them how it ought to be applied. What he was what he didn't do was yield to their to their man-made rules about the Sabbath.
1: Now, people were more important than processes. What about Nadab and Abihu? Were they more important than the strange fire that they offered? God didn't think so. God said the process is important, and he put them to death for failing to follow the process or the pattern that he had given them. All right. And finally,
2: we're just about out of time. Finally, they said, quote, We have made worship a form that is no more than tradition a matter of salvation at worst and a matter of fellowship at best when a proper perspective on the matter wouldn't have made it either one. In other words, it wouldn't have made it a, a, a salvation matter it wouldn't have made it a fellowship test. He says, when we bind where the Bible has not, we place more restriction on people than we should and face the prospect of condemnation. In other words, uh, it's just it's just our tradition. I thought Chris in the UK had an interesting take on that. Let me read what he said. Uh he said simply, "Won't your form become a, tra- a tradition?" In other mm-hmm. words, if they're saying we've made our we've made our preferences and our decisions a, a human tradition, we've bounded it up, we've been binding it on people when we didn't have the right to do so, and we've opened ourselves up to condemnation. Well, as Chris says, well, what keeps your form from becoming a tradition if you're going to enforce well, that on people?
1: They, according to them, their form is nothing but tradition. We're saying that our form is. Uh, biblically mandated, theirs they, theirs is nothing but a tradition. According even according to their own admission, it's yeah. just their own preference.
3: Yeah.
2: Real in, real quickly, I just make reference to a follow up email that Chris sent from England. He talked about going to some uh, event, and there was instrumental music. He said there was an altar call accompanied by an hour of music, including what I term seven eleven songs, which are s- sets of seven words sung eleven times. Hmm. Talking to one of them afterwards, he acknowledged they use key changes and repetitive songs to manipulate people's emotions. Whoa. You know that's what's really behind instrumental music, as as it's employed in many religious groups, is that it it is an emotional thing, and people prefer it, and therefore they want it, and and this church in Fort Worth, Texas, is going to give it to them because they understand it's what people popularly desire.
1: Well, that's sad. Uh, we ought to be more interested in what God desires. After all, our worship is aimed at pleasing him, not ourselves. And uh, it looks like some people have it the other way around, obviously by some of the things we've looked at today.
2: Well, I wish we had had more time to talk about each of those things, but I hope we gave sort of a sense or a taste of what these uh, elders in Fort Worth, Texas, have erroneously done to uh, to, to deny the truth of God's Word and to bring in a false religious practice in the addition of instrumental music to their worship. Uh, and the, and their so called scriptural arguments simply don't stand. They transparently are doing it to appeal to men to bring in bigger numbers.
1: It's sad. And uh, what we've got to remember is that we've got to have Bible authority for all that we do. When we say we don't need Bible authority in one area, then we have given up the right to demand Bible authority in any area and in any practice.
2: Yeah. And if you were to go to that Heritage Church of Christ in Fort Worth, Texas, and say we want we want to do we want to add something else that we like. Right, we like the burning of incense, or uh, you know, we, we'd like to bring in an animal and slaughter it right here, Seems and, good, and right. have a burnt offering no. right here in front of the assembly. Yeah. W- where would you stop? Where would you draw the line? If that's what people want, and we must give it to them to keep attracting them,
1: then there's no stopping point. And this, as a matter of fact, is not the first departure from the truth. No, in the, the chat room,
2: you. John in the chat room, who's in in uh, the Oklahoma City area, mentions a church near where he is that's gone through the same process a few years ago but
1: and and when you bring in the instrumental music and in worship though it shows it's that's not the first deviation this congregation has practiced yeah it's a it's a process you, know, you don't just bring you don't, you don't just do exactly what god wants you to do one day and next day you're worshiping instrument uh, with instruments it's a it's a process it's a diversion or a, a departure from the I,
2: I caught i caught a comment that john had made earlier in the chat room that church in the oklahoma city area that brought in instrument instrumental music lost 300 members but they did it anyway. In other words, they were interested in bringing people in. They weren't interested in the people who were already there who left because the instrument was brought in. So, again, there's there's a, 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 an obviously flawed agenda underway there.
1: All right. We ought to conclude with Colossians 3.17. Whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. We must have authority for all that we do. If we don't, we're standing to the condemnation of God, and we've got to be prepared. Uh, to give account for that. Dad, thank you for your time tonight. Thanks, Jacob. And uh, Jeff has been behind the controls. He's been helping uh, to train some of uh, uh, the Shelton kids, and so we're glad that uh, they're here as well. And thank you, Jeff, for your help tonight. And thank you for joining us on the program, and we hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. We hope you'll make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it.